Are you ready for the Word? Come on, are you ready for the Word? So we're talking about friends today in a series on relationships called It's Complicated. But the good thing is that whilst relationships can be complicated, Jesus has some simple principles for us to help us have healthy, strong relationships. And so we're gonna be looking at that this morning. I'm gonna read you a Scripture from Hebrews 10. Hebrews, who likes coffee? Anybody? Hebrews for 12. Coffee, <laughs> good joke. Lame joke, all right, shut up. Okay, verse 19, Hebrews. We're reading a letter to the Hebrews. It's a letter possibly from a guy called Paul who was like an apostle. And he's written this letter to the Hebrews. They're like a church. They're a gathered group like us. And he's written this letter directly to them for them. And it's in the context of what they're facing. They are people who have found Christ and they've found Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, but they are being pulled back into old ways of religion. And there's people that are talking to them and trying to pull them back into religious ways of which Jesus actually came to set us free from. He didn't come to destroy the law, but He came to fulfil it. And so He has fulfilled the law so that we can live in a new law. It's the law of love. And Jesus has done the work, He's completed the law, but they are getting pulled back into an ideology that says we still need to fulfil the law. And Paul possibly is writing to the Hebrews to say, no, don't. Go back to the old ways. Don't listen to those religious jokers who are trying to pull you back into tradition. Listen to the Gospel that is the Gospel of grace. Grace and truth married together perfectly, but you do not get to heaven through your works. You get to heaven through believing in Jesus. And this is what this book is about. So the writer says in verse 19, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, not by works, but by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is His body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For He who promised is faithful. Come on, if you believe God is faithful today, can you make some noise for a God who is faithful, who's with you, His goodness and His mercy? Lord God, You've been faithful always in the good times, in the bad times, God is faithful. Verse 24, it says, And let us consider, so what I wanna focus on today, let us consider how we may get our own lives and careers and ambitions ahead. Sorry, misread the Scripture, heresy. And let us consider how we may take more selfies 
and be more self-focused and self-orientated. No. Yeah, if you have Instagram, join the Guilty Club over here and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up, meeting together. Not calling it quits on turning up as some are in the habit of doing. The writer just sneakily throws some people under the bus there. As some are in the habit of doing, you know who you are, yeah. Stop it, yeah. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What is the day? The day is the great day when Jesus who ascended into heaven will come back down to earth and call it a day. When He will complete what He set out to do. When every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord on that day, as we see that day approaching, because life is but a vapour and eternity is what matters most. As we see that great day, let's encourage each other. Let our friendship spur one another on. God, speak to us. We love Your Word. We love Your presence. We thank You, God, that You're doing a new thing in our lives. In Jesus' Name. They all said, Amen. Can you thank the band? We love you, band. Don't go far. Paulus, you're amazing. Hopefully you bought um, Serena some flowers this week. Uh, because Paulus is the best flower buying boyfriend in the world. And all us married people feel guilty because I bought my wife flowers once. Yeah, <laughs> no, I buy them all the time. And don't judge me. So this passage of Scripture is about, really about reminding these people to not get stuck in religion. Because religion has this you know, sneaky way of sneaking up on you and pulling you back into old things. Religion has this way, you know, because we are creatures of habit and we like the method, but God's not that concerned about the method because the method can change as long as the message stays the same. And so religion will wanna try and distract us from the message and get us caught up in the method. And so Christians are the worst at this because we complain and we compare about how we worship and how this church does that and we do it like this and this is the right way to do it and this is the wrong way to worship and you shouldn't have guitars in church because they're from the devil and you shouldn't do this or that. And we, we, yeah, we're arguing, religion wants to argue about methodology, but it forgets about the message. And so, so the, the writer is reminding the Hebrews, hey, don't get caught back into old things because that is gonna steal what Jesus came to give you. Jesus fulfilled the law and He brought a new law. It's the law of love. In the New Testament, we don't live by the law of the 10 commandments, 
Though they are good, we don't live by them. We live by the law of love because the law of love fulfills every commandment that was ever written. And Jesus came from heaven to earth to fulfill the law so that He could break the curse of the law so we could not live under the law, but could live the life of love. And this is what Jesus has done for us. And the writer is passionately reminding the people, don't go back there. Don't go back there. He's saying, Jesus came that you could be friends with God. That's why Jesus came, that we could have friendship with God. And then He says, and we should have friendship to push each other toward God. Our friendship should should drive each other toward that great day that we would spur each other on. So the writer is reminding them because love is really what Christianity is all about. God is love. Have you read that? You heard that before? Like, you know, if you go to Macca's, there's certain things that you associate McDonald's with, you know? Like, um, yeah, Big Macs, thank you, Jesus. Uh, you know, or, or McChicken burgers, you know. What, what, we associate things to places that we're familiar with. But I wonder what do people associate the church with? When people think of a Christian, why do people mostly think like Ned Flanders, you know? Why, why do people mostly think of some religious, irrelevant person who's stuck in tradition and not living the life that Jesus actually came to give us. I'm believing for a church that when people think of us, they think of us as a place where God's love is real, where there's a grace that's so crazy and scandalous and doesn't make sense. That's the kind of church that we are. And so love is, you know, love is, love is a great word, but love is thrown around a lot, right? You know, you, you hear love in all, all sorts of sentences, right? Like people say, you know, um, I love, man, I love pizza. And then they'll use the same word to say, man, I love my wife. You know, the two don't equate. <laughs> yeah, you love pizza, but hopefully your love for your wife is greater than your love for pizza. <laughs> There's all t- types of expressions of love. And we, we say, you know, I, 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 I love sport. Anyone love sport? Yeah. I love sport. But some people hate sport. Uh, some people love talking, you know? All the ladies were here. I just offended every woman in church. Just offended every woman. They, they, you know, we, some people love talking. Some people hate the 60 second greeting. Some people sit in church dreading the 60 second greeting. Oh no, here it comes. I don't want to talk to people. You know, some love people. Some hate people. I love, love talking. Some don't. It's funny because I love, I really do. I love sport and talking. But my wife hates sport, you know. Well, she doesn't hate sport, but her and sport, it's not like a close friendship. You know what I'm saying? So one day we were, we were driving um, through this place where there's netball courts. Any netballers? 
Okay, me either. Oh, one netball. Ruby, you play netball. That's awesome. We'll pray for you later. So I'm joking. <laughs> oh, I'm on fire. So we're driving through this place and there's like a hundred netball courts. So on a Saturday, there is literally thousands of people playing netball. And it's, it's just crazy. And so we're driving through and there's heaps of traffic and we're getting stuck and Jessen is sitting in a seat and she looks over and she goes, oh, <laughs> oh. just flabbergasted, you know? Just, oh, I've never heard her that angry before in my life. Oh. She turns to me and she says, look at all these people playing soccer. <laughs> I said, sorry, what? Look at them all, they're so annoying. I love sport, Jessica not so much, but we, we you know, uh, we love food and we, we, I love burritos and I love pasta and I love curry and I love food. So love is, you know, not a, not a distant topic, but when it comes to who we are as a representation of who God is, love is vital. Um, in fact, there's this great scripture. I'll find it in, where is it? In John 13, 34, it, it says this. It's Jesus talking. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Ready, ready for this? Verse 35. By this, by this, anything else, not how religious you are, not what you do in church, by this, not how many teams you're on, by this, this, I'm gonna let that marinate, by this, everyone, meaning the people looking on, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, meaning that you follow me, you know me, if you love one another. This is crazy. By this, Jesus says, by this, the world looking in, people who feel far from God will see that we know God by the way we love one another. Because you can be really spiritual, but treat people really poorly. You, you can be really religious, but not love people. And God is saying that the sign that you know me, the sign that there is a vertical connection going on between you and I is seen in your horizontal love for people, your ability to connect with your neighbour. That's the sign. Your love for God is legitimised by your love for people. It goes on in 1 John, same, same guy, 1 John 4.20, he says, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Our love for people is proof of our love for God. So how do we cultivate an environment Create a place 
where love for one another is how we roll. How do we, how do we cultivate that kind of an environment? Two things. And if I can get my prop, where's my prop? Who's, who's bring my prop? Rid, come up here. Run up here. Quickly, Rid. Good job. Give it up for Rid. Excellent delivery. This is a plank. And so there's a, there's a scripture in Matthew where Jesus talks about the plank and the splinter. Does anyone know it? Have you heard of it? If you haven't, that's okay. I'm gonna read it to you right now as I stand here with my wooden plank. It says, Matthew 7, 1 to 5, it says, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, hey, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite. (laughs) First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I just love Jesus because that, that was really harsh, that scripture. And, and, but I love the imagery um, because like, like it's quite hilarious if you visualise it. And that's why I'm gonna help you visualise it today. Jesus is saying, <laughs> if you're walking around like this, trying to relate to people, trying to help everybody else with their speck. Um, excuse me, have you seen the speck in your eye? While all along, you've got a plank in yours. Oh my gosh, have you heard about them? They are so bad. They really need to deal with some stuff in their life. Seriously, seriously. And, and every time you turn up, people are scared because you are whacking them with your plank. Hi, hi, goodness, and everybody runs for cover because you're walking around with a plank in your eye trying to help everybody else with their speck. What's interesting is if you look at proportionally, you know, just do the maths, this is big, a speck is small. In terms of priority, what should we be looking after first? The speck or the flippin' plank? (laughs) Interesting, when, when you're looking through a plank, when your vision is skewered by this thing, what you think you are seeing in someone else is in fact a projection of what is in you. So often we are calling others out on what we think is their problem when in actuality, it's our problem. Trying to fix my husband, trying to fix my wife, trying to fix my children. Angry at that person because of what they said. Angry at that situation because of what happened. When all along the thing that is most affecting your life, 
the thing that is most destructive to you is not their speck. Their problem is not the biggest problem in your life. Your plank is the big problem. And if we will deal with the plank, we will be able to help with the speck. If we deal with this first, if we learn to lead ourselves first, we will be able to lead others. The qualification to be able to help someone else is that we've first been able to deal with this. And I'm not saying you need to be perfect. I'm just saying that you are prioritising your plank. And not everybody else's speck. And not always talking about everybody else's problem. I mean, when you realise how big your plank is, maybe it would quieten us up about everybody else's speck. Because this is really what matters. And God will help you deal with it, but you need to recognise that this is bigger. This is what I need to We need to remove the sticks that are dividing us. But those sticks, those planks, those things are in us, not in other people. And so I believe to cultivate an environment where we love one another, we all need to do the plank and splinter journey. We all need to bring our plank to God. Say, God, forgive me. We all need to be able to be humble enough not to blame, but to take responsibility. I need to own my behaviour. I need to own my attitude. I am responsible. Come on, say this with me. Say, I am responsible. One more time with some more attitude. Say, I am responsible. I am responsible for for what I do with what happens to me in life. I'm not saying that everything that happens is fair or right, but nonetheless, if it's in me, it's my responsibility. I need, I need community, I need friendship to help me. But at the end of the day, I need to take ownership of my attitudes, my will, my mindset, my words. And I need to bring it to the Lord and say, help me, Jesus. The beautiful thing about this stick is that Jesus made sticks into a cross, which He died on. And He took every plank, He took every burden, He took every sin, crucified on the cross. If you bring it to Jesus, if you repent, if you come to Him, it's good, it's over. Keep walking, keep bringing it to God. So we need to remove the stick. That is the first point, remove the stick. Second point is that, well, you know what it's saying in Hebrews is, in verse 24, it says, and let us consider how. You know, like actually consider. That word means to ponder, to stop and think. How could I spur other people on? How could I be a source of encouragement for others. Great Scripture says, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. There is something powerful when you position your life to help others. It actually helps you. And so 
Let us consider how we may spur one another on. A few quick thoughts. Number one, spur. We, we're the kind of people who pick each other up, spur one another on. We, we don't compete against ourselves and we're not comparing against ourselves. When one of us wins, we all win. When one of us has a victory, we all have a victory. When one of us has a, a fall or fail, we all have a fall and a fail. We, we do it together. Spur one another on. When people come into contact with you, is their head lifted or is their head downcast? What kind of environment do you create for people? I wanna be the kind of person that every time somebody comes into contact with me, they leave with courage. Uh, they leave with a sense of God's good. They leave with a, a, a spring in their step. Are you creating a positive atmosphere around your life? Are you creating a faith atmosphere around your life? Do you believe in people? One of the best things you can do is believe in people. They not, might not remember everything you say, but if you believe in them, They'll remember that. We spur. It's my first point. Spur. We got that? Spur one another on. Second thought is toward. What are we spurring each other toward? Love and good deeds. Love and good deeds. We're not spurring each other on toward just this idea of success, but it says love and good deeds is the goal to love people. Here's, here's ways you can love people. Pray every day for opportunities to reach out. Show interest in people in your everyday life. You know, when you're talking to someone and you know, you say, hey, how are you? And they say, good. You say, how's your week? And they say, good. And then, and then you say, you know, what happened? And they start to tell you a story about what happened. And while they're telling you your, their story, you start making up your story. And so as they're telling you their story, you're just getting your story ready together because as soon as they finish, you're gonna trump their story with a better one. <laughs> Showing interest means asking and listening. You know, like you talk to someone, hey, hey, how are you? Good, yeah. What's, what's happening? Yeah, not much. Yep, uh-huh, cool. You know, lis listeners like that, you know, oh yeah. Like, are you staring into space? What's happening up there? I don't know what's happening. Am I missing something? You know, when you talk, listen, be a good listener. That's a way to love people, to love people who don't know Jesus, um, to, to be an encourager, pay someone a compliment. Don't be the pride police. Oh, I don't wanna give them too many encouragements. It'll go to their head. <laughs> hey, that's not your responsibility. Be an encourager and don't be a stingy encourager. Oh yeah, you were heaps better than last week. <laughs> wow, your fashion sense has really improved. You know, like, what? What is that? Just say, you look amazing. What have you done with your hair? It's incredible. And I'll say nothing. Yeah. And what? Don't be stingy with your encouragements, but also don't be vague. <laughs> wow, you're just amazing. 
Wow, you're incredible. Be specific. Hey, the way you did that, amazing. Hey, the way you dress, awesome. But let's be encouragers. Let's be known as people who encourage. Give a gift, buy a new neighbour. Somebody moves into your street, buy them a gift. Flowers, do something, walk across the road, say hello. Help people who look lost or distressed. Do something practical to help people in need. Third thought is to be invested. Don't give up on turning up. One of the most encouraging things you can do for the people around you is to keep turning up. And we salute you today for turning up. And the people here have been coming for 18 years. We salute you. We would never be able to do what God has called us to do if we didn't turn up. Be invested to the point where you turn up. There will be days where you don't feel like it, but turn up anyway. There'll be days where it feels difficult, turn up anyway. This is how we spur, this is how we encourage each other by turning up, be invested. Fourth thing is be consistent. The writer says, as some are in the habit of doing, giving up on meeting together. Set a pattern in your life that I'm here every Sunday. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not moving on. The last thought is be kind. Be kind. Be the kind of person who's kind. It's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. Not the harshness of God, not the judgment of God. It's the kindness. Let's be the kind of people who are known for kindness. And I believe if we'll do that, if we'll spur each other on toward good loves and deeds, invested, turning up every week consistently, if we'll be people who are kind, we can stick together. Hello, that's what my points spell. (laughs) Stick together. Because there's only one kind of stick we need around here. And it's not this one. Let's get rid of this stick and let's stick together. Let's stick together. Let's stay together. Let's work together. Let's move forward together. Stick together. Friendship. Proverbs says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I pray in this community, we would be like that. In our connect groups, we'd be like a brother that sticks close, that we would be sticky, that we would stick, that we wouldn't let people just come in and go and say nothing about it, that we wouldn't watch people walk in and walk out, that as much as we open the front door, let us close the back door and say, this is not a hotel, this is home. Let's help people stay connected. Let's stick together, amen? Close your eyes. Let me just pray for you. Lord, we thank You for Your presence. Jesus, 
here today. We just thank You, Lord, for anybody who feels far from You. Anybody who feels lost. We thank You, Lord, that they are not lost from You, that You love them.